Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Podcast on Fifth Ave. We're all feeling a little bit down and depressed because this week the Penguins were eliminated from the postseason in the first round once again in Game 7 by the New York Rangers. And this series really did have it all, including a blown 3-1 to one lead, um, blown 2 nothing game leads, um, there, there was just a lot that happened and a lot of twists and turns, and it ended up being a lot more exciting than I think. I mean, it was more exciting than I was expecting it to be, but also that downward nosedive that the, the series took was just a little bit of a bummer. And here we are out of the playoffs once again. Um, so there were, I mean, I feel like there were quite a few things that happened that, allowed for I wouldn't even call it a collapse I feel like there were just some unlucky things some stupid decisions some um I don't even know let's let's just get into it so looking at this series as a whole how how do we feel the team performed because Obviously, they were in it until the very end. The game went to overtime, game seven. So it's not like they didn't put up a fight. Taylor, what are your thoughts on the team that showed up in this series? I mean, I think it was a whole lot better than we expected, given the regular season series between these teams and those four games in the regular mm-hmm. season. They only scored four goals on uh, Igor Shosturkin, and, and three of those were in the power play. Brian Boyle was the only guy able to score a regular season goal against this team in the regular season. So, you know, given the way things... And that wasn't that long ago. Most of those meetings were, you know, within the last month of the season. So... Given that, the way they, they showed up against, you know, this Rangers team and what they chased Shesterkin twice, it, it really was a much closer series than I think people anticipated. And I think it comes down to, it comes down to a lot of things. There are a lot of, like, little mistakes that would have them unable to execute. But, I mean, I think if they had Tristan Jari healthy for, for this playoff series, they get out of it. Um, Louis yeah. Domingue, he was great in, in the beginning. And, um they had some, you know, game two, you know, when they lost here, that wasn't really on him. It was more the defense in front of him. But towards yeah. the end, he did very much start to look like a, a number three goaltender. I mean, I'm not going to rip on Louis Domingue. There's a reason he's a number three goaltender for the same reason that if, like, injuries force Brian Boyle into a top six role, like, I'm not going to criticize Brian Boyle. There's... <laughs> There's a reason that's not his job, you know. Um, but Louis Domingue, he, he did what he could, but he is just because he's in a number one spot does not is not going to make him suddenly a number one goaltender. If they had Tristan Jari, yeah. I think they make it out of that series. Yeah. yeah, that's totally fair. So looking looking at those last couple games because they were up three to one, Jenna, what are what are some of the <laughs> things that stood out to you as potential? like turning points as to how how they lost that three to one lead in the series. I think both in games five and six, just letting the Rangers back into it, like taking your foot off the gas a little bit, because I think people want to look at things in game seven and like game sevens, anything can happen. Anything is Mm -hmm. on the table. And as we saw, that was exactly the case. So you kind of have to, 
I don't want to say you can win because obviously you win or lose a series. If a a series goes to seven, it's won or lost in seven. Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. But I think the way in which they allowed the Rangers to get back into the game, game six to me sticks out in particular. And I know everyone's harping on it. Evan Rodriguez's penalty. You can't take those types of penalties and give the Rangers any chance of momentum. Because in both of those games, it, and they both felt so similar, the way the Penguins jumped out to those two goal leads, and everybody always says the two nothing or the two goal lead is the dangerous lead in hockey. You jump out to a lead, you maintain that, but you also know you're going to get a pushback from the Rangers. So you have to do everything you can control what you can control in things like not retaliating and and yes and we when we heard Evan Rodriguez talk at locker clean out earlier this week he said you know talking about things that have gone called and uncalled but there there you just can't at the end of the day that can't be what gives them any life you can't give them any life in order for them to be able to get back into it and uh, unfortunately that is a moment to me that sticks out and yeah you know it's not just one or lost in a moment but that is one that kind of sticks out to me is like you had a chance to continue dominating the way you'd been dominating this team and you let them back in a little bit and they started to generate generate momentum and look what happens absolutely and i think that we even saw that happen again with the Marcus Pedersen helmet incident. It just seemed like, and we've, we've talked a bit before about officiating in the NHL, inconsistency, poor calls, poor non-calls. I think honestly, in all of professional sports, officiating is just kind of getting worse and worse and worse. And it is what it is, but it felt like in, in those pivotal moments with Evan Rodriguez and with Marcus Pedersen, they became more concerned and so caught up in kind of like getting the ref's attention and trying to draw like a, just like fighting for a penalty that obviously was not going to be called than they were just being like, OK, we need to stick in this game like we need to keep our heads down and just keep playing and keep going and not letting this rattle us. And they ended up just letting it rattle them. And that was that's not the only reason that they lost, because, yes, Louis Domingue was in and he is a third string goalie. And there were other injuries like Sid getting hurt and knocked out of of the series for a game and a half like those. Those all contributed. But there was a a certain distraction amongst some of the guys with with in terms of calls and non calls that I also think definitely kind of allowed the Rangers to just take advantage. Obviously, they they scored on that power play and then they scored after the, the helmet incident. So it's just one of those things that ah, you were focusing on the wrong stuff and it cost you a if, little bit. I, I want to kind of get into the, the helmet thing. So, if, you know, yeah. full full story. So it was, yeah, before the tying goal <clears throat> by the Rangers in game seven, Pedersen, uh, Lafreniere go behind the net. Uh, there, There's like a little battle. Lafreniere, for, first of all, may, Pedersen maybe should have gotten called for interference on Lafreniere like just before that when they were going behind the net. You could, I don't know. I bet in a game seven, I don't think they're going to call that. But anyway, so they get behind the net and Lafreniere, he puts his arm around like Pedersen's neck and yeah, knocks his helmet off. Um, 
And mm-hmm. Pedersen, uh, he throws his arms up at the refs like that, and then he skates off. But then, you know, in the meantime, Marino's losing a puck battle in the corner. He turns it over. And Pedersen's helmet falling off, that didn't mean that Marino had to turn the puck over. Like, it wasn't, that wasn't everything. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but it was just kind of like everything, like, kind of went into chaos from there. And, like, and afterward, I mean, you know, I think Jari, Jari was asked, like, what did you see in that play? And he was like, I saw Pedersen's helmet get knocked off and he went to the net. Like, he kind of went to there. Sid brought it up unprompted. Um, Sullivan was asked about it. Um, he thought it was, you know, like, intentionally ripped off. And he said, you know, the rule stinks. Now, and Sullivan's, and then he was asked, like, would you like to see Pedersen stay out there? And Sullivan's like, well, no, he has to go to the bench. But, like, he d- he didn't have to go to the bench. Um, you can't stay out there without the helmet, but you can put the helmet back on. It doesn't even have to be mm-hmm. um, you know strapped up. It just has to be on your head. And now I there people are like, oh, you know, maybe it would have taken too long. Now Pedersen does wear his chin strap very very loose, like it hangs like a couple inches below his chin, like exceptionally loose. That's why I got yanked off, but it also would have been easy to put back on. I did ask him clean out yeah. day, like, did you know you could have put it back on? And he said in the heat of the moment, um, it, you know, it just didn't cross his mind. He was just thinking, get to the bench. But like the reason I, I was like, they really should have known better is because this cost them a goal last year in the playoffs. Um, like that yeah. was... It was, it was Marino. Pedersen right? was on the ice. Like, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was it was game three against the Islanders. Marino was in um you know battle along the boards. I can't remember who it was that um that knocked it off, but it was someone in the corner just elbowed Marino's helmet right off. Very much looked intentional. Maybe should that one should have been a penalty too. But Marino was like whoop, and then like picked his helmet off and skated off the ice. And in the meantime, I mean the Penguins are essentially shorthanded. Um, and Cal Clutterbuck scores now. And after that, you know they talked about there being some confusion with the rule and them asking clarity for the league. So like the Penguins very much knew what the rule was. So I, that's why I was like I don't know why they're talking about it like this after the game. It's like, well, he has to go off. Yeah. It's like, no, I, everyone knows he doesn't have to, or at least you should know he doesn't have to. Um, I guess yeah. I understand Pedersen in the moment just being like, I need to get off the ice. But I mean, if he wouldn't have been throwing his arms up in the air, that he would have saved him a second or two towards putting the helmet back on. He could have stayed out there. But um, I mean, that's not the only reason they lost, but that was just like kind of a, an example of a mistake. Mm-hmm. And was that when Latang was coming yeah. back in? So they're all out of defensive yeah. structure in that sense anyway. So it's like, you know, everyone, you know, what, what's the phrase I'm looking for? It's like the, the not the dom, sort of a domino effect. Where it's like, okay, this happens in this. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the, the ripple oh. effect. We're yeah, yeah. <laughs> all kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The ripple effect where it's like, okay, that happened. Then this happened. Then Latang comes in then Marina turns the puck over. Like it all just kind of, happened all at once in that way and again that's moment this is a it's a game of momentum and that was something that um, Mm -hmm. Mike Sullivan talked about too just like you know handling the momentum swings a little bit better and I think that probably is a big point of emphasis for this series I think if you look Mm -hmm. for one area of improvement and it's so hard to do because then they also look at like okay well what was causing it was it you know a penalty was it something we did was it something that didn't work was it just something that was you know natural in terms of the progression of the game but that could have been i think a big factor of maybe what could have helped this team a little bit more in this Mm -hmm. series 
Yeah, and they did so well with that early in the series. That's why they went up three to one. And they they were so good about waiting for the right moment to grab momentum and then just run with it. And if they lost momentum, they got it back somehow at some point in the game. And in the last few games, it just didn't it didn't quite work that way for them. And I don't I don't know what you could attribute that to, but it did change. And the Rangers kind of they took advantage of that. And unfortunately, now the Penguins have cleaned out their lockers and it's season over and we have a lot of storylines to keep an eye on this offseason. Why don't we take a quick break and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. We are back. As they always do, the Penguins had their yearly locker cleanout, and along with that, they did media availability this week. Both of you were present, whether virtually or in person, correct? Yeah, I fully, yeah, I, I was in COVID protocol, so I <laughs> I didn't make it to game six or seven in person either, but out of protocol now, I was there virtually okay. for cleanout day. I was able to ask questions, yeah. so... They're awesome. they're a full participant. Yeah. yeah, not there, but there, but yeah. not there, but there. Very yeah. thankful to Penguins PR that they gave us the virtual option because of the number of people in protocol right now. But yeah, kind of kind of needed that. But yeah. a lot. I know that obviously I was not there, but mm-hmm. a lot of the discussion, especially with Sid and Gino and Latang, focused on where are. Where are Malkin and Latang going to be next year? Are they going to be here? Have they started talking about contract extensions? Have they talked about re-signing money? All of those things, because that's kind of a huge focal point. Those three, Sid and Gino and Latang, have been the cornerstones of this franchise for the better part of the last 16 years. So the fact that it's looking rather likely that we watched the final game of the three of them playing together. It, it's something that people really are going to start digging in and looking for answers on. So Jenna in, in all of the talks and the questions and responses that those three gave yesterday, what was the general vibe that you got? What, what do you think they're feeling and what do you think might happen moving forward? That's a, a very loaded question. And I mean that in the best way, just because it, there is a lot of uncertainty and that is kind of the big thing. What is going to be next? I mean, mm-hmm. the thing that you gathered a lot from all three and obviously Sid is locked in here, his contracts here for three more years. Um, but Latang and Malkin now both unrestricted free agents and their futures are in question. And you could see the emotion a little bit. I think that was really, especially from Malkin, that was kind of one of the things like he came into the room and Dan Potash is in the back. And I know everybody saw the tweets about, he's like, he's like, Potash, I love you. Like (laughs) grinning so happy and like on his way in and on his way out. But they, they kind of all said the same thing. You know, they want to stay here in Pittsburgh. This has been their home. This has Mm -hmm. been everything for them. I think something that really intrigued me too was Chris Letang talking about, you know, he, he doesn't know how this is going to go because he's never been through this in this way. He's like, I've always signed extensions. 
Um, but you could you could kind of sense that they, you know, both want to be here, but they do understand it's a business. And that was kind of, you know, the talk. Yeah. A lot of it. And Malkin saying, you know, I want to be here. I want to retire a penguin, but I get it. If management comes in and says, we want new blood and there isn't a place for you, he's like, that'll be fine. I'll go somewhere else. So it's, it, it, it seems like they're both kind of with whatever's going to happen. They all seem at peace with it, which sometimes I know people will want to read into that and say, well, it means they're going, it means they're not. But I think that there are going to be discussions. And I think that Sid's opinion is going to be very, very heavily weighed in all of this decision because these are his guys. And he even said Mm -hmm. yesterday, or when we talked yesterday or two days ago, by the time this comes out, he said, you know, management doesn't really have to ask me because they know what I'm going to say. That was basically the gist of what it was, but there is a reality, right? That we saw the last, the time that these three will play together here in Pittsburgh. And I mean, it it will feel like an end of an era because they've been here for the better part of 16 years, the three of them, they've been the core of this team. Yeah. And that is, there's a certain level of nostalgia that is associated with that, but it is also kind of like, objectively looking at what does this team need and do do we meet that need by keeping Latang and Malkin on this roster Taylor what what's your overall take on that is is it going to be in the best interest of the team to keep both of those guys if they can financially manage it or should they look elsewhere to kind of get new fresh blood in the organization. Yeah. I mean the, you know, the sentimental value is not, is, is nice, but I also think that it is also, if they want to, you know, stay in like win now mode or extend this window, I think this is the, the best option they have. Um, yeah. I, you know, replacing, if you're going to try to replace Malk and find a second line center, who can put up, you know, can produce the way he does. If you're going to want to find a number one defenseman, who can play the minutes Latang does and, you know, contribute offensively the way he does. It's going to be more costly to do that and via free agency or via a trade. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that is in their best interest. Now, uh, I and I also think, you know, people want to say, like, start the rebuild now, ship them out for or like, you know, clean house, get picks and prospect. Like, I, I don't think that or, or like you know try to try to extend this window to get you know younger players back i think if you do that if you try to replace them via free agency you're not going to get players who are going to be as good you're going to be like uh, another team that's maybe maybe on the edge of making the playoffs for you're going to be yeah. a mediocre team i think the best option to do extend this window with this core as long as you can and then when they're done you're going to be a basement team in the and fighting for the number one overall draft pick. I think that's the best option. I don't think it's you try to, you know, ship them out and try to do like a retool. I think you got to go like all in or, or nothing. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it's being stuck in like mediocrity for a couple, you know, for a long time isn't, I, I think, a good idea. But And I think there's ways that they still could keep these guys, even keep Rust, and and still be a good team. There's ways to move out salary. Kapanen, I think in no way Kapanen comes back. He's a restricted free agent. Either don't qualify him, let him walk, or trade his rights. You can move, you know, one of like Marino, Pedersen, they make a lot of money. I think Matheson would be hard to move. There's Zucker, if you can find a way to move Zucker 
assuming mm-hmm. he's not, or, you know, maybe he spends all of next season on LTIR and you have that room. That's, you know, the way things go with him. Either way, there's ways to free up money and to keep the core intact and, you know, keep rust. Um, You don't have to let him walk. There's ways to make it happen. And I think that's the best thing they can do. Yeah. And and the thing, too, is like they talked about kind of their time frames of everything because they were all asked, how much longer do you see yourself playing? And Malkin said, you know, that three year, three to four ish year mark, Latang's remark in classic Chris Latang fashion <laughs> smile. He's like, oh, yeah, four to five years easy, which after the career year he had this year makes a whole lot of sense. You mm-hmm. can definitely see that. And then Sid was saying, you know, three years and then we'll reevaluate. And it's important to know that his contract is up in three years. So if you can kind of get these guys and say, hey, look, we will keep the band together for three more years. Mm-hmm. It doesn't – I don't think that seems outrageous. I think the one question mark in there, honestly, is Malkin a little bit, and can he sustain the level he is? Because we know for a fact that both Sid and Latang showed this season they absolutely could. Yeah, and Malkin is the question mark because when he – was playing well. He was playing really well, like fantastic. There were shades of Malkin from 10 years ago that, that came out this year, but there was also a lot of uh, what's inconsistency. He was very inconsistent this season. And when he was making mistakes, they were costly ones. And Looking even at the Penguins' power play this series, it's not all on Malkin, but he made some very questionable decisions when they were on the power play. Specifically, I'm remembering the five-on-three, the most recent five-on-three, watching him and thinking, what are you doing? What? How? How? Ah, and just being beside myself because they, it was just so unproductive. And he he is a question mark. And I do feel like just based on what we know of him and Latang and, and their personalities, it does seem like Malkin might be the one who's more likely to take a, a hometown deal, um, more friendly at least. And Chris Letang might be more inclined to look elsewhere to make as much money as possible, but that it really does make you wonder like, yeah, if, if Malkin can make more somewhere else, are we really going to try to give him top dollar to keep him around? If we aren't sure what we're going to be getting out of him. And that's really what it comes into comes down to and one more because Brian Rust is also a huge question mark at this point he's not old but he's getting older and his production is still very high but do the Penguins offer him the amount of money that he's probably going to be due for for this next deal when he is getting older and when we have a guy in Ricard Raquel now who fits really well with Sid and Gensel on that top line. Like, is it, is it worth it to keep Brian Rust at the expense of potentially getting other talent in as well? Taylor, what do you think? Yeah. And Rust, he was asked um, on a clean out day, kind of like if, 
not the exact words, but would he be willing to take like a hometown discount? Um, and he and he said, yeah, he said and he's not looking to rob anyone. He just wants what's fair. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's going to um, price himself out of Pittsburgh. Um, I know with him, people keep saying like Detroit because he's from that area. Just the way people keep saying like Montreal's, uh, you know, Glantane's going to Montreal because he's from there and because his agent mm. is in, his former agent is now the GM. I, not every player wants to go play for their hometown team. I mean, some players in the past have talked about how uh, they actually don't like that and how, you know, if they've, they've gone through it, it can, there can be like distractions with family and friends. You know, they want to have tickets and maybe more pressure from um, the local media just because you are mm-hmm. the hometown boy. I think especially in the case of French Canadian players playing for Montreal, um, the Montreal media can be maybe harder on, on those kinds of guys. So, it, it's not like a like well the tanks from Montreal you know from Montreal he's gonna want to go play for Montreal at some point not necessarily just like yeah. you know Detroit might not be the most appealing place for Brian Ross I mean Brian Ross he has a life here he has a house he has his family lives here and you know they have a good setup uh, so in that way you know yeah they might be willing to take more of a hometown discount um, to stay here and. Uh, I, I don't think it's a, they can, I, there's ways to keep all three of these guys. Um, Mm -hmm. if they ship out, you know, some of the, uh, high, highly played players elsewhere. And I, so it's, it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to lose one or, or multiple of these guys. Yeah. And and with what you were saying too, with what Brian Russ said, you know, he just wants a fair and like reasonable deal. I think that's what a lot of these guys want. It's like, show us that little bit of respect. Show us you respect us with the numbers you're giving us. We aren't asking for the world, the moon and the stars, but we want to feel like you value us and you see potential in us as players. Mm -hmm. I think that for them is going to be more than anything with this offseason is does this front office show these guys we value you. We think you're important to what we have going on here. And we want you to be able to feel like you should stay with us. And right. a lot, so a lot of these things they're all saying, like, you know, I just want what I'm, you know, I don't know. It's a business. I don't know what's going to happen. I want what's fair. People are reading that like, oh, they're, you know, they're thinking about leaving. Like, it's a lot of the things Ovechkin was saying when he was in the situation with the Caps. Mm-hmm. Right? Ovechkin yeah. went into... Um, you know, an, an off season without a contract um, last year. And he was saying a lot of these things. And of course he resigned. Of course, Ovechkin's not going to go anywhere else. So I, I feel like you can't read into these comments and say like, yeah. well, Latang's definitely thinking about going to Montreal. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just, you know, they're not, the way you know they have to handle these questions they're not going to give away too much in these in these interviews or say like i'm definitely staying here because then all their bargaining power is like on you know right yeah. yeah they do have to keep it diplomatic especially because obviously everybody reads so much into literally everything so they have to keep it as straight down the middle as they can while expressing interest in what they want which is to stay here and if they if the Penguins brass can find a way to keep those guys. I I do think that that would be the right decision for sure for the team and for all of them. There was plenty of other stuff from uh, Locker Cleanout Day. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back with that in just a minute.
and we're back. In addition to all of the contract speculation and all that good stuff on locker cleanout day, we also got updated on all of the various different injuries and ailments that were bugging the players as, you know, NHL coaches and staff can be super vague with injury information. So until the very end of the season, we have no idea who had what. So now we know and we can talk about it because we've been told what happened. Taylor, give us a brief rundown of all of the different things that these guys were dealing with throughout the postseason. Yeah. So uh, first, I mean, Casey to Smith, he, he talked. Um, he obviously had surgery. It was like by two weeks ago by now. Um, uh, he it was his left. It was his right groin, um, semi-core muscle surgery. That's a sports hernia. It was his right groin that he injured. He said he had actually been playing hurt, like that was had been bothering him for the last month and a half. Yeah, which is crazy. And then he said, you know, it wasn't like any kind of, it wasn't like a collision or anything like that, or that um, finally, you know, um, was you know like the the end of it. It was just that you know the fatigue of playing, you know, into two overtimes. Um, he said he had like, he just like made a move and he said he felt his whole like hip and groin go at once. And, um, he said he knew right then he, you know, he was done. Um, so that's why he pulled himself out. But yeah, for the last like month and a half, um, of the season, he was playing with that, which is crazy. Um, and he did so, you know, he had the surgery last year, but it was on his left groin. So this is his right groin. Um, Yikes. so he's, so it's, it's not anything that, I don't know if it's connected because, you know, sometimes it doesn't like, you know, I don't know, the body like overcompensates on one side. Mm-hmm. But so I don't know if that's the thing, but he did say that, you know, given he didn't have any issues with his left groin this year after the surgery. So he's encouraged about um, the right groin or healing the same way and not having any problems next year. Now he's an unrestricted free agent. He might not ever be back here um, anyway. Um and then Jason Zucker, poor Jason Zucker. I feel like anytime he's talked lately, it's just like, let's talk about your injuries <laughs> because that's all it is. Um, yep. He did not want to get into specifics, but it did sound like it's related to his uh, previous injury. The He also had core muscle sur- you know, surgery earlier in the year. It sounded yeah. like that. He did confirm. I can't remember if we talked about this, but um, at least home games – during during this series, he was sitting up on a bar stool next to the bench in the tunnel. So he was not sitting on the bench um, between shifts. There is a bar stool in like the tunnel next to the bench, and he was sitting on that. Or like sometimes like squatting in front of it, and you're looking at it. It's like, all right, something's going on here. It's not that he just wants to be tall. Like it's definitely like. <laughs> and he did confirm that that was related to managing his injury. Um, I did ask, you know, like is surgery. Um, a possibility this summer. He said they're still trying to figure that out with the doctors. Um, I did think it was fun. He has like at least a good sense of humor about it, kind of like Bo Bennett did. But he said like the team doctors and the medical staff and the trainers, they you should see like they have a whiteboard with like an, <laughs> alg- an algorithm that they need to figure out what they need to do just to keep him on the ice during the season. Poor guy. Um Oh. So surgery might be a possibility for him. And then the other one we got an update on, uh, Brian Dumoulin, who, you know, he was hurting uh, game one. He said he had a grade three tear of his MCL. So that's a complete tear. Um, and Ooh. it happened in um, 
it was on the disallowed goal at the end of regulation in um, in game one. He crashed into the net, and you can see the overhead angle. Um, his knee goes right into the post and does hyperextend. And he said he didn't feel the pain at the time, but he took another shift in that third period. And he said he, you know, you feel that, um, you know, the unsteadiness. He said it felt like his shin was slipping out. Oh my God. Right. Like, <laughs> that was the moment. I'm like, thank you so much for telling us. We, I, I don't need that. I don't need to know that. Yeah. And he said, yeah, you, you, you know, the knee felt unsteady and felt like his shin was slipping out of his knee. So, um, kind of gross. He was very casual about it. He's like, yeah, I don't know if you've ever torn your MCL, all of us. No, clear no plans. Um, no. no but- like, it's like, no, Brian Dumoulin. I've had like a MCL, like partial tear and I can tell you for a fact my knee my shin no i did not feel my shin slip yeah that makes me feel so gross he i mean he finished that game he said he went back you know after regulate you know it felt like a little unsteady he went back um you know after regulation he put a brace on his knee and he he played it was like it was 22 more shifts Mm-hmm. through those next you know three overtimes and mm-hmm. i was looking at you know the shift chart from that game some of them were a little shorter but nothing looked abnormal from the shift chart like he was out there he said you know some of them he was definitely a little questionable on um yeah. given that his shit was slipping out <laughs> but uh i mean yeah just crazy stuff um yeah, it's a great three MCL tear. That's uh, yeah, that's all we heard about. Obviously, Brian Boyle, he had surgery um, already. He didn't talk. Um, he had knee surgery. Uh, he hurt his knee hitting uh, Jacob Truba. Mm. Um, it looked like his leg maybe belt bent a little funny on that. Um, yeah. So uh, he had surgery. That's all. I mean, everyone's dealing with like bumps, bruises, stuff like that. But that's um, those were the injury takeaways from clean out day. Oh, oh, that makes me feel so. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a minute to recover from that description <laughs> we, from Brian. There were Dumont. some good things, though. There yeah. were two really, really wholesome, awesome moments. So we'll, we'll make you feel a little better over there. Um, okay. One, uh, Ricard Raquel was asked because he's going to be a dad very soon um, by friend of the pod, Danny. Um, but he was asked, you know, are you excited? Has it kind of hitting you yet? And he just was, he was really cute, really sentimental. He hasn't seen his wife since he uh, was traded here. Cause obviously she's still back in uh, California um, dealing with, cause she was, she, uh, they're about a month away. He said, okay. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't so- feasible for her to follow him here. That like, I, I follow her on Instagram. She's been like doing all like the baby preparations and okay. she's been posting like, well, and they also have the two dogs and all too, that it was, it was a whole lot to deal with, but she's been posting like Instagram stories and are like, they're doing like birthing classes and like Ricardo Raquel just like FaceTimes wow. in um, oh. and, and stuff like that. And um, I know bef- I saw, I think she had posted like, you know, when he got traded before he left, he made sure to like set up the car seat and like put in the car just in case. Cause I mean, if the season would have gone on, if they would have been able to make a real run. Like he, he didn't know, they didn't know if he would have been able to make it back in wow. time. So I guess, you know, one bright side that Carver Kells can make it back in time for the birth of their, their yeah. daughter. Oh, how wholesome is that? That is so sweet. Oh some my day. goodness. Hopefully some dad strength. Yeah, we love some good. We love some good dad strength, as we've seen from all guys and Gensel too over this off season. August, yeah. Wow, and then many dads. 
This was this was one of my favorite moments because we know that Jason Zucker and Brian Rust have <laughs> a phenomenal friendship. There's no doubt. They love they love the playful chirps. They love goofing off all of that. Um, but Zucker was asked about, you know, Brian Rust and, you know, kind of everybody's asking about these guys' futures and things along those lines. And the two of them have grown up together in a way because they both played, um, was it develop, was it juniors or developmental? The U.S. It, it, the US national team development program, which is basically in place of like, they play in the USHL, they play like junior hockey, but it, it's the national team development program, but it is junior hockey. And, and they played there together. Um, so seeing kind of, you know, they've seen each other grow up and things like that. But, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> Zucker just kind of goes like deadpan, <laughs> like full on straight face, no smile, nothing. He's like, yeah, I told him his entire career, he has zero skill, zero talent. And like somehow he turned it around. <laughs> Zucker's very funny. <laughs> He, the the wit is phenomenal, yeah. but you you could just see like the that friendship is uh, definitely alive and well. So as uh, I know, there's definitely some a lot of bittersweet feelings, but just seeing mm-hmm. you know those are the types of moments I think that people are like, all right, you know this is this is good. Things That's are you know there's still moment. something something to smile yeah. about. Love that. Before we go, let's just kind of do like a quick touch up on all of the other happenings around the league, because I know obviously we, um, we have quite a few storylines. Yeah, go ahead. I have a complaint. Um, the Masterton nominees got released the fight. Well, the finalists, um, and I, I, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, so the it's obviously going to be hate Kevin Hayes and a Carey Price top two. Who's number three doesn't matter. So the Penguins nominee was Brian Boyle. You know, all the, the writers, we vote between the nominees. The number three is uh, Zidane Chara, who persevered through uh, being old. And I feel like, <laughs> if we, you know, like, that's what, that's what it is. Like, it's this is the perseverance, you know, dedication to hockey. Sadino Char persevered through being old. That's why he got the vote. Um, That's dumb. Terry Price, you know, Kevin Hayes obviously had a whole, you know, they had a lot to deal with. Sadino Char persevered through being old. If we were going to pick a guy for being old, why would it not be the old guy who didn't even play last season? I feel like Brian Boyle had to persevere through a whole lot more than Zidane Chara. Again, it doesn't matter. It, you know, Chara's not going to be the winner, but I saw that and it's like, really? <laughs> I don't know. Yep. I, I that was that's my complaint. I, I Brian Boyle was third on on my uh, on my ballot. I I had uh, I don't remember. I, I mean, I had Hazen Price number. I can't remember the order I had him in, but I had Brian Boyle. I thought Brian Boyle was the obvious number three. Apparently not, just because Char is a little bit older. Um, you know, he's had a rough kid. <laughs> The progression. Char had like a goal this year too. Maybe time. Maybe you can count it maybe on your hand. I don't think he had five. I think he might have had like three, maybe four. Yeah, I don't know. I think Brian Boyle had the better season, and again, he did not play last year. I think that's a whole lot more to come back through. And I mean, he what? He's been away from his family the whole year. I don't know. Crazy. Um, uh, And he didn't even finish number three. He better be number four. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those numbers. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but I, so, yes, Jordan, the happenings around the league. Yeah, because we we saw Toronto do it again, um, like they always do. Collapsed <laughs> in the first round. I mean, we we have been a little bit critical of the Penguins as as a whole in Western Pennsylvania. We've been critical for of them getting knocked out the last what four years in the first round, but. 
Um, I think that how, how long has it been? Like 18 years, 18 years. Yep. 18 years since Toronto has moved past the first round. So maybe Penguins fans should chill just a little bit because it could be like a lot worse, like so much worse. Well, And isn't it like the last five, it's been, it, they winner take all games. So, you know, game seven or, you know, what was a best of five in the, in the, in the bubble, they've made it like, you know, to that last game and they just haven't been able to close it out. So it's just like the heartbreak is so much stronger. Just the way Toronto has been, um, and they're a good team. They're a great team. So that's why, yeah, it it could, I mean, and you know, obviously their core is still young. Um, but if, uh, they could keep doing this for, you know, many more years, but just, you Mm -hmm. know, they haven't been able to close that, even get out of the first round. It's, it really puts things into perspective for, for the Penguins that they have, um, been able to, you know, do as much of the core as they have. It's disappointing for sure. What else is disappointing is Jake Ottinger's, right? Ottinger? Yeah. Yeah. His performance in that first round was like next level insane. And to to not move past the first round the way that he played is just like, ah. The the number, the, the stats from that game from Calgary were like, I was looking at my phone after we had wrapped everything up, um, you know, after the Penguins game, because both game sevens were on the same night mm-hmm. and they seemed fake. The The flames had 129 <laughs> shot attempts that like, mm-hmm. I, that that's outrageous. Mm-hmm. That is on. And like, sure. Shot block saves all that type of stuff. They, they're putting the puck near the net in some fashion Yep. In a hundred, they're getting shots off a hundred and twenty nine times, and this guy, how many? I think he had like sixty something saves. It was like sixty three something Unreal. like that. Unreal. Oh my god! And then for the, I mean, the Flames have been like my dark horse pick for the Cup, so I oh. am intrigued, and I didn't hate seeing them move on, but. That the, oh my god, the way that that game ended, just unreal. Yeah, I don't even know who my pick is now. I, I'd say it'll be Colorado, right? Jack Johnson's going to yeah. be Stanley Cup champion. <laughs> and the Penguins are paying him $1.9 million for next year. How about that? We were talking yeah. about all that contract stuff. What, how much would $1.9 million help the Penguins next year? Because that's how much Jack Johnson's buyout counts next year. <laughs> oh, that's Brian Russ Rays, you know? Oh, my God. Not to keep it's, being a dead horse. I feel like I've, I've brought that up so many times. Magic. Like it, go, like the cap goes up a million dollars next year. Jack Johnson's buyout goes up seven hundred fifty thousand. So that's where that money's going. Um, yeah. oh, it goes, dang. yeah, one point nine million total next year. Again, that's Brian Russell's right there. But um, Jack Johnson, he he gets it all. He's getting paid by the Penguins, and he's going to win the Stanley Cup with Colorado. Good for him. Good guy. Good guy. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Not not ideal for the Penguins at all. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, I I feel like I I could see it being Colorado. I could also see it being Carolina. I feel like Carolina is just playing with a certain level of swagger and grittiness that they're going to be really tough to beat in seven. But we'll see. We'll see what happens because regardless, there's no emotional investment anymore because the Penguins are out. So whatever happens, as long as it's not Tampa, as long as it's not Tampa, I'm, I feel like I'm – I do like that we get the battle of Florida and the battle of Alberta, um, which is Canada's Florida. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> that's so perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Such right. A perfect way. Alberta is like their Florida or like their South, you know, yeah. or maybe yeah. like their Texas parts of it. I don't know. Either way, um, it's going to be very fun um, to see yeah, to sure. see those rivalries uh, renewed. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah, love it so much. Well, everybody, thank you so much as always for listening and tuning in. If you're not already subscribed, whether it's on our YouTube channel or on whatever platform you listen to podcasts, make sure you do that because we drop new episodes every Thursday and we will be keeping an eye close watch on all of the off season happening. So if you want any updated information, news, opinions, we'll be here for you throughout all of it. We will see you next week.